Welcome to another episode of On The Line. This is Holly Scott. And I'm Joe Mullings. Happy to be here today with you, Miss Scott. Happy to be here as well. Loving our new studio. It's fantastic. totally cool. This is uh, the labor of a lot of people. We mentioned that in the uh, last episode. And mm-hmm. Nice gift for the end of the year. And uh, you and I were talking, end of the year has a lot of people thinking about New Year's resolutions. What am I going to do in 19? Mm-hmm. Um, new job market, what should I be looking at? What are the trends? What are the tech? So what guidance would you give to people mm-hmm. in life sciences, med tech, biotech? Well, I'm extremely optimistic. I don't know how you feel about uh, 2019, but I, I'm feeling really... I'm pumped with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. pumped about it. I think there's a lot of exciting things to to watch from technology perspective as well as from our industry mm-hmm. and, and, and search itself, talent acquisition. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking to our audience, they're interested in knowing what, what trends we're staying close to. Yeah. So what do you think in one word is the one to watch? What's, what's, what's the, big, the big word going into 2019? You know, I, I think... I use the word, so there's one word, if I have to pick one, it's T, uh, transition. Mm. I'm seeing a transition occur where data and device and non-med tech juggernauts mm-hmm. uh, are starting to converge. Yes, 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 for sure. That's that's the one word that is on our minds every day is data, right? Data and where it's, where it's going, where it's at today, the value it brings. Yeah, and, and and so I'm not rushing into that transition, but mm-hmm. the transition is already on the rails. It's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. It's clear when you look at all of the precursor data coming out, when you start here, go look at the patents mm-hmm. that have been issued over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the things that include cloud, machine learning, um, deep learning, robotics, uh, those 80, 88 or 90% of those are owned by Amazon, Apple, IBM, um, Samsung, mm-hmm. and I'm probably leaving somebody out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think less than one half of 1% are owned by medical device companies. It's it's happening. It's it's happening. That 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 blend and the that harmony is, is like you said. It's on the rails and it's only going to continue. Yeah, and it's a slow roll. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't mean that the med device industry is doomed. What it mm-hmm. means is there's a transition. Oh yeah. I think mm-hmm. that as I look at careers, we always talk about where's the career puck going to mm-hmm. be in three or four years. That's what you should be concerned with. I think what you're going to look at is the med device manufacturers will always own that. Mm-hmm. They will own the factories. They will make the devices. Um, they will have access to the patients, the docs. What the interesting transition is, is the gap opportunity that's mm-hmm. occurring between the people who know how to work the data, who know how to pull that data off a smart device because mm-hmm. the patient is always on, mm-hmm. and then do something with that data from a predictive analytics um, future forecasting, uh, speed through clinical trials, uh, those new entrants into the medical device industry are, again, Apple, Amazon, Google, Google. Uh, all of those companies mm-hmm. are going to now be the new med tech acquirers mm-hmm. of the 
organizations that are going to start to declare themselves that have never been there before that fill that gap of how do I get from the device to the data? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to start to see huge uh, activity in that area. Yeah, and the last two years can can certainly be an indicator. Regulatory is also going to be in, in significant oh. demand in that area. Regulatory and quality. Yeah, regulatory quality and clinical and navigating these new waters where data is now integrated and privacy issues and security issues and and uh, what exactly does this mean? Just because it's now an imaging device and it's non-invasive, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to be something brand new and require a specific regulatory path. <laughs> yeah, but there's going to be differences in there mm-hmm. too, though, Hal. So here's what's going to happen is, and all my VCs are going to see this too, mm-hmm. uh, for those listening. The VCs forever in medtech have looked for an investment in a company that has to go through a 510 or a PMA. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the game, for the most part, has to bring a product to market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And depending on what path you take, it could be two years, it could be seven years. But anyway, it's a long investment. The emerging market right now is going to be those companies that are sitting in that chasm. And that chasm is a chasm of opportunity where you're not going to have an end product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you're going to have is a technology that connects the medical device to the data machine. To the data machine, exactly. Right? Yep. And actionable outcomes from that data. Right. Right. VCs now are going to be able to put in a lot less money because there's not as much of a clinical lift. Mm. Because in medical devices, the investment is the clinical lift. So now you're going to get used to a higher cadence of transactions Mm -hmm. because the Googles, the Amazons, the Facebooks, uh, the Apples are used to buying tech firms to fill the gap in their blind spot in their tech platforms. True. That's a typical move for them. Mm-hmm. True. But medical True. device companies and investors have always been locked and loaded, justifiably so, mm-hmm. on a device. Right. And getting that final approval. We are seeing, speaking of the clinical, and I think this investment will continue, is that companies are becoming more and more clinical long-term companies because the data is only going to continue to make the the organization, the data, the, the end product, the diagnosis better mm-hmm. and better and better. Mm-hmm. So the clinical lift may actually end up being longer and more significant. However, the data continues to be, or the device, the end result continues to be better and better, right? Yeah, and the, and, and the more data you get, the better your algorithm gets. So if we're gonna mm-hmm. look at ML or deep, uh, deep learning um, or predictive analytics, the more data, mm-hmm. the more value. Right. And so clinical outcomes are all about data. Mm-hmm. And so there's also gonna be an emerging tech on you're gathering that data. What are you doing with that data? And how do I leverage that? We've seen it already. Apple's doing it mm-hmm. with accelerating clinical trials. 23andMe is doing it in the pharma business with accelerating clinical trials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's an emerging tech as well that is going to be, I think, a very broad opportunity 2019, 2020. Yeah, yeah. So for individuals that are close to that, whatever you're involved with right now, if you see opportunities to leverage or get exposure there, Highly recommended. Yeah. Uh, here's another. So interestingly enough, uh, I think voice mm. is a tremendous business. And as you know, we're starting mm. a new division in the Mullings Group, mm-hmm. uh, Voice and Vision. Yes. Because we think imaging, navigation, um, and again, voice, meaning anything that has to do with the tone, mm-hmm. right? 
we there are a number of texts coming out right now where they're using voice for predictive analytics, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing this for the first time in medtech emerging, and where they're able, this company in particular can uh, predict heart function post uh, CHF, congestive heart failure mm -hmm. diagnosis, and impact that 30-day window. I think that you're going to see more and more voice be integrated in the healthcare community, whether it's at the end range for the doctor uh, or the surgeon becoming more efficient, mm -hmm. um, but also on the early end of diagnostics. So keep your eyes on voice. Mm -hmm. um, I just had a very good friend who signed up uh, for a CEO role coming out of Israel. And when I dug into that, I found more than, I think it was 20 something companies in the voice realm hmm. in medtech. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's, it's one to watch for mm -hmm. sure. And that ties into imaging, right? Imaging is definitely a, a continued trend that we yep. expect to be big in 2019. Yep. You can have the best tools in the world, a la surgical robotics over the last several years and will continue to, to grow. However, the imaging and the navigation in those particular uh, cases yeah. is going to become critical. Yeah, yeah, and, and the imaging is important because um, navigation and imaging go together, as you pointed out. But imaging, you've got to get yourself thinking imaging in, um, a number of different areas, near IR, mm -hmm. uh, uh, IR, uh, OCT. Mm -hmm. We have a number of companies right now developing tissue characterization technologies, mm -hmm. proximity sensing, uh, and then being able to triangulate tissue characterization using whatever tech they want to use, low cost sensors, mm -hmm. and then data, data analytics and predictive analytics gives an outcome or guidance to the surgeon or the clinician mm -hmm. in order to either treat or diagnose. Right, right. right. Well, and, and like look at ultrasound, right? Tried and true for how many years? And we were seeing some pretty cool real-time imaging uh, technologies leveraging ultrasound with uh, smart robotics and some really interesting applications there too. Yeah, and, and on the robotics, so those who follow us know that we're super dominant in the robotics space. Um, here's where I think robotics is in 2019, 2020, and next two or three years. Um, I, think, I think surgical robotics totally is going to be a primary market over the next few years. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a couple companies trying to boil the ocean in that mm -hmm. space. Um, aside from the severe regulatory uh, uh, cycles that they've got to go through, there's going to be huge delays there. Um, so I think people are underclubbing that. Anytime you're trying to bring one of the most sophisticated platforms to the market mm -hmm. um, ever seen, uh, you're going to run into major challenges, not just from engineering, but from regulatory. So that's number one. So if you're putting your career on boiling the ocean in surgical robotics and that platform, just know what you're walking into. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think that robotics entry point over the next few years is two areas. One is diagno di diagnostics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to shout out to a, a company in Southern Cal right now called Neural Analytics. They're a proxy for, they're taking an autonomous surgical robot mm -hmm. and using it in an ultrasound application mm -hmm. right now in neuro, but they're also looking into cardio. So anywhere you can take a surgical, you can take a robot in mm -hmm. medical devices, take your brain out of it being surgical, mm -hmm. put it in the diagnostic realm and a repeatable movement with a high amount of data that me needs to come out of it, right, that you can get a quick diagnosis on, right, and you can replace a person, mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. highly trained person, mm -hmm. 
who is going to be, fortunately or unfortunately, easier to replace or bump out of that space mm-hmm. with a quicker standard of care mm-hmm. delivered at the patient bedside, that is an enormous business. So look for robotics and medical device to be on the diagnostic side more so than boiling the ocean. Mm-hmm. And then I think... Huge opportunity there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge and I think bedside too. You're going to start to see the um, stores of the world, the Olympuses of the world, the scope companies of the world engaging with smaller players that are emerging right now mm-hmm. that are offering simpler solutions that can marry up a medical device that augments the surgeon's skills, Mm -hmm. still collects reasonable, valuable data, and then tie it to an imaging navigation play, which I'm glad to see those scope companies moving into because they stink at making the device itself. They're great on the the, the visualization side. I think 2019 to 2021 are home runs in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, not taking the place of robotics, Mm -hmm. but robotics on the grand scale of the entire ecosystem um, is gonna require a lot more time than everybody thought. Yeah, and I, and I think it's become a, a huge opportunity for the surgeons because now they're seeing, um, well, let's see, I don't know if I wanna jump to this extreme. Yeah, $1.5 million totally out of my hands. Exactly, and even the control, right? Maybe I don't wanna be all the way at the other side of the room um, operating my video game a, 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 during procedure. I don't wanna sit in an autonomous car. Right, so? There you go. So there's there's this nice opportunity for these smaller players, perhaps smaller just by size, meaning, but that have significant opportunity to to impact the patient and impact the surgical process overall. Yeah. And you're going to get a better look. There's only two or three companies who can afford billion dollar platforms. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. So we know who yeah. they are. Yeah. Right. And so those billion-dollar platforms also require billion-dollar infrastructure. Exactly. So therefore, you're going to have very few people entering there. That's right. And anytime you try and do a U-turn with the Queen Mary, it takes a while. Yeah, right? exactly. And so that's what's happening and, that's and right. trying to boil the ocean, ocean on surgical robotics. But if you have a series of small speedboats mm-hmm. who are all moving in tandem with each other intelligently, and you now start to nibble at the bottom end of that market, where you get higher adoption with a lower threat to the surgeon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get a higher adoption with a more simple augmentation, amplification of surgeon skills. Mm-hmm. And you tie that to having the surgeon be able to see better and navigate better mm-hmm. for $100,000 mm-hmm. instead of $1.5 million. I think that's the way in, mm-hmm. quite honestly. And it will meet somewhere down the road in 2025, right. 2026. Mm-hmm. But again, this this podcast is about careers for you guys listening right now. I would make sure that you're not navigating your career based upon one of the big players' plans mm-hmm. for the mid-2020s, but you can still enter in at that point in time if you get two or three gigs under your belt over the next six years That's right. yeah. in, in, in a smaller constantly pursuing new tech Mm -hmm. exactly exactly no you're right it's it's a it's a nice opportunity and it's different than it has been in the last few years because there's going to be more we all brought in on the big boil the ocean sure sure and And, it needs to be there there's still lots of opportunity but it's got to go through teaching hospitals right so if you think about the adoption you got to get those robots into the teaching hospitals Mm -hmm. then what you got to do is you got to get this current generation of surgeons out of the way Mm -hmm. because 
you know, the guys in their 50s and 60s are not going to jump on surgical robotic platforms. They Some will, to, right? the majority won't. Yeah, right? exactly. And there's a lot of pull through in the business when you have a surgical robot. Friends of ours up here who run the hospital who have a big surgical platform mm -hmm. tell me it's not necessarily the robot itself. It's the pull through additional procedures we get. Mm -hmm. I get that, but that can't be your business model. That's, yeah. You can't, it cannot be your mm -hmm. business model. So in the meantime, if you're developing your career, I will tell you that you get just as much credit mm -hmm. in being a little small company that's making a little surgical robotic uh, or, or a, let's not even call it robot, a surgeon's empowering amplification of his or her skills mm -hmm. plus the imaging navigation. If you continue just to stay in that domain, mm -hmm. if you want to go for the big sort of ocean boil downrange, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Also, when you're boiling the ocean, the first... 25% of that lift is fun. The second or, or the next 75% is paperwork. That's, well, absolutely. And so depending huge. on what you want to do, if you dig paperwork, That's right. then go ahead and join the boil the ocean effort. If you don't enjoy paperwork, I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, there's like a, in, in our friends in the Midwest, the surgical aug augmentation company, that, mm -hmm. that they've got a nice, nice option there. So there's, yeah, there's definitely options if yeah. you want to get in. So you got... Uh, data, we talked about data. Is there any markets in particular you like? Um, well, I like, I always like cardiology, right? Near and dear, and it has been forever. So uh, we'll continue to see structural heart grow and, and that quest for, I call it kind of the quest for the perfectly balanced heart. Mm -hmm. So it's optimally functioning at all times mm -hmm. and, and managing that. So we're watching the continued debate of of replacement versus repair on valves and and uh, and those structural challenges and and interesting how how active outside the U.S. activity is and, and has continued to to be over the last few years we expect that to happen. Um, the the individuals who have been in cardiology for years there's still lots of opportunity oh, there. God, yeah, and I, and I think the conversation that's taking place is no longer. Um, an argument of repair a place. Mm -hmm. It's now, and. Yeah, yeah, right. It, it, and, exactly, more patient-centric at the time. Yeah, and, and I think that there's not gonna be a silver bullet right now mm -hmm. um, on uh, a single winner. Mm -hmm. You know, that structural heart platform is unique in that matter where if you think about it, most platforms have been dominated by one or two solutions, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think because of patient population, um, because of patient anatomy, uh, because of the specialization required in learning a structural heart procedure, mm -hmm. I think you're going to see platform technologies occur. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're seeing it already with Abbott. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happened with Edwards if they uh, uh, go after multiple platforms or as they end up, I think, being acquired by Abbott. I mm -hmm. think Medtron, I think Edwards gets picked up by Abbott. Um, and I agree with you, structural heart's super interesting, which mm -hmm. then leads to CHF, mm -hmm. heart failure, because all you're doing with that is graduating a whole bunch of patients downrange who mm -hmm. are going to end up in heart failure. Right. So that heart right. failure space is enormous mm -hmm. on the diagnostic and therapeutic side. Yeah, completely. And and I think that ties in nicely to another one that I, I watch for for interest, fun, as well as a, a major trend, but regenerative me medicine, I think, is, is fascinating. And yeah. there's a lot going into that now, and more so than ever before. And mm -hmm. in the device side, it had always been sluggish because we're so much more mechanical, electrical-centric, mm -hmm. right? And that's mm -hmm. more science-oriented. But with 3D printing and, and what's happening now and stem cells, things are 
it's happening. There are products in clinical trials right now well, yeah. that are, are yeah. phenomenal and, and have so much opportunity. Too. So that's where the combo products come in, right? Yes. So uh, I think biotech, we have a very large client in Cambridge in the life sciences who's in biotech who's doing that, who's mm -hmm. taking um, real simple stem cells, mm -hmm. putting the therapeutic load in the cell, turning it into a red blood cell, and then cloaking that and then and injecting that into the body and let, allowing it to deliver its payload, hmm. right? And again, so there's an interesting mix there of uh, biotech and device. And uh, we've also just picked up one on the West Coast in the Bay Area who's doing something similar. So that is meant to be regenerative in mm -hmm. nature uh, and some sort of genesis, whether it's cardiogenesis, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I like that a lot mm -hmm. and then that leads us into the the cyborg human. Mm -hmm. uh, we're doing a lot of neurostim, mm -hmm. a lot of active implantables. Yes. Some things we're un under NDA that we can't talk about mm -hmm. that are, um, gosh, the one I'm thinking about um, is almost being able to communicate with another person without speaking. It's that one that somebody in our firm is running right now, yeah. right? Yeah. And the clinical trials on that, I know it was a start on the military side, mm -hmm. but where you can actually communicate without speaking to a person. So the whole cyborg thing is coming. Mm -hmm. um, and again, we're not talking about Arnold mm -hmm. cyborg, mm -hmm. but we're talking about augmented living through implantables. Mm -hmm. First, it will be therapeutic, but then it will be upgrading healthy people. Yeah, that's that's it's it's that's phenomenal. what I'm waiting for. I yeah. hope I'm still in the business. No, it's exciting to watch. It's exciting to watch. I'll be on the clinical trial for uh, well I can't say that here. <laughs> well you and I could we can speak without speaking. That doesn't that's not cyborg really. That's not though. cyborg. That's twenty something <laughs> years of living in the same space. And, and, you know so <laughs> that clinical trial would be interesting. So. Um, yeah so so certainly that that's an area to watch. I think a the, the trend of the consumer driving innovation and controlling their destiny mm -hmm. is going to continue. We've, yeah. we've seen the wearables over the last few years. That's just going to continue. Everything with a sensor in it is exciting. Um, it's just happening. It's, it's and I think it's good for careers. I don't know the end game. Um, I, mm -hmm. I'm not convinced, at least over the next couple of years, that human beings are going to change their behavior because of the wearable. Mm-hmm. They already know if they smoke, they're going to die. They smoke. They already know if they drink too much, they're going to die. They keep drinking. Oh, I, yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And I so agree. I, I dig the tech on the wearables. Mm -hmm. uh, I would just have caution to manage expectations on other than collecting data for clinical use downrange and some other tech. Mm -hmm. I'm a little less aggressive on that. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. Uh, but I just don't know what the end game is on that. Right. Well, from from my perspective, as a as either a product development engineer or someone on the upstream side yeah. of it, yeah. you're getting such good experience with yeah. integrating any kind of microelectronic into right. any kind of, of right. Of Some sort of feedback sensor. So yeah. sensor development's big to that point. Mm -hmm. um, again, making sure I put my comments in context. If I was buying stock right now, mm. I would not mm -hmm. be buying stock. And any med sumer devices. Right, right. Okay. Because you're, you're, but from yeah. a career development perspective, and if you really want sensor experience mm -hmm. and big data experience and, and new clinical approaches and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, absolutely. But mm -hmm. if I was uh, 
managing my stock portfolio, I wouldn't be investing in any of those companies. Yeah, so just it's my gut. feeling a little faddish to you. Just feeling, I don't know what the end game is. Yeah. I don't know, I think mm -hmm. it's gadgets. I yeah. think it's cool, it's gadgets, mm -hmm. I think it's gonna come and go. Mm -hmm. um, but what it does lead to is fantastic sensor development. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so sensor development really is what the play is there. Right. Because then right. when we can take those sensors and mm -hmm. do something meaningful that will, because human beings are funny until they're, and even then, until they're given the death sentence, mm -hmm. they don't modify behavior. Right, right. No, no, right? That's, that's true. Right. So, yeah. and so and, uh, until yeah. one of those things say, Miss um, mm -hmm. Scott, uh, uh, you know, 18 cells were detected in your left breast mm -hmm. that were cancerous you're not going to respond to that. Right, right. right. But if it says the mm -hmm. shit you just ate may cause cancer, right, right. you're not gonna do anything. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Right? No, no, that ding dong true. donut you just ate? <laughs> it's true. So I would yeah. just, again, caution, know what you're getting into your play for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and, and I think I, we watch the ophthalmic market for mm -hmm. sure. Um, mm -hmm. There's always the, the, uh, the interest in vision. I, I don't <laughs> think people realize how, how much of a disability it is until you lose it, right? Again, it's one of the point. biggest markets out there. And with the aging population, it's one to watch. So. Yeah, and I, and, and, and I is, you know, eye care, mm -hmm. uh, diagnostics, and then surgical. Uh, mm -hmm. So I would be really careful. And again, I have some great friends who are optometrists. If mm -hmm. I was in the optometrist space and not on the surgical side or the eye care side, I'd be really careful. Mm -hmm. That's becoming a commoditized business. It's, it's only gonna be is. a matter of mm -hmm. three years before I go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well okay, this- <laughs> and my eyeglasses are gonna be delivered to my house with there my Pensal frame, super. <laughs> so be yeah. careful as you pick techs mm -hmm. that you don't pick a tech that's gonna be commoditized. Right, right. right. So uh, right now, I really worry about just general eye care, mm -hmm. general eye diagnostics, mm -hmm. um, anything that can be quote unquote Amazoned, I'd mm -hmm. be super careful with. Anything that's a commodity, I think wound care has some major issues with it. Mm -hmm. I think uh, wound care on the ulcer side, be really careful. All that stuff is going to be able to be ordered via an electronic script and directly to Amazon, much like diabetic um, supplies are ordered to your house. Right, exactly. So I, I'd be super careful on that. Yeah. And then we have a lot of friends in this. I'm going to piss them off, um, but I'm always just shooting my hunches. Mm -hmm. uh, I worry about the orthopedic business a lot. Mm. Um, I think that that business, uh, if it didn't have the surgical robot spin on it right now, it probably would be in more danger. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very fragmented market. It's based today exclusively on materials, and it's a race to the bottom price. for price. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, trauma hasn't kicked up, spine hasn't kicked up. Mm -hmm. Again, huge fan of the space. Mm -hmm. I just don't know where it goes from here mm -hmm. in regards to innovation. Yeah, well, they've, they've solved so many of the, the most complex problems, such as spine and so forth. There's not a, there's not a ton of no. opportunity no. there. And the biologics, that biologic space mm -hmm. has always struggled a little bit. Yeah. So I, you know, I, if you're entering the market right now, mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't go into op, uh, into orthopedics. Right, right. Um, I would and I'd be that. careful on certain components in ophthalmology. Mm -hmm. And then just look at every product that you're making. Can it be Amazoned mm -hmm. uh, in regards to diagnostic and then ordered? Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, um, <clears throat> there's a device and then there's the data. Start looking for companies that are bridging that gap right now and don't worry about it if um, they don't have an end product 
that's sold directly to, again, I think there's an enormous opportunity, bigger than anybody is even thinking about right now, mm-hmm. on that chasm between the device and delivering the data and the tech that delivers the data mm-hmm. to the Amazons, the Googles, the IBMs. That's Agreed. that's where I think the huge opportunity is over the next few years. Agree. No, the, the companies that are exciting right now are the high-tech companies operating in a med-tech world. Right? Yeah, and, 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 and just, again, closing, think of the billions of dollars mm-hmm. that they have for acquisitions. Yes. Think of the patience that, meaning P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E, mm-hmm. the patience that they have on these acquisitions. Exactly. When you look at the medtech strategics, they are tighter than hell on their money and literally are looking quarter to quarter mm-hmm. and almost playing defense in their acquisitions right now rather than forward-looking offense. And I think the non-medtech, high-tech players, the juggernauts, are an enormous opportunity for everybody because of the money they have and the insight they have on emerging markets. Agree. So. No. It's it's going to be a great year. It's ex- going to be exciting to watch. Yep. We'll see how, uh, how it all rolls out as yep. we roll into the balance of 2018. Cool. So yeah. I pissed off a lot of my clients today, and I made a lot of them happy. No, nah, I don't think so. They know bringing you, the Jill. truth. <laughs> As always. Hey, I don't know when this, oh, this one will already have come out. I hope you saw me at Harvard last week. Mm. Um, I'm at Harvard this weekend yeah, for yeah. the HBS Healthcare Alumni Association, the mm-hmm. 18th. That'll so that's great. super excited. Uh, Peter Stebbins from J&J is putting on a great um, panel there mm-hmm. uh, about the shakeup in the CEO suite yeah. or the C-suite. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that. And then we're off to LinkedIn. Right. And then I'm off to see my man, Gary V. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, gosh, we've got so many things going on. MedTech so. strategist at the end of MedTech the month. MedTech strategist, thanks, at the end of in, uh, November. California. In San Fran. If you don't go to that show or you're not familiar with that show. It's a good one. I think it's one of the most impressive um, medical device opportunities uh, in you know, our 28 years, mm-hmm. I think it's the biggest ROI. Yeah, especially so, in the MedTech strategist, San Fran, mm-hmm. and then Dublin. Uh, we're a platinum sponsor. That's how much we believe in it. Mm-hmm. We're up there, I think, with J&J's with mm-hmm. us and a couple others uh, on the uh, headlines. So check that out as well. We'll be mm-hmm. in San Fran. Reach out to us if you want to get together. Uh, we've got a big hospitality room. Mm-hmm. We're running a couple of podcasts. We're going to be highlighting and pimping some new techs. Mm-hmm. So a little commercial for that. Sounds great. Cool. So this has been another episode of On the Line. I'm Joe Mullings. And I'm Holly Scott. Y'all be good. Take care.